Welcome to another episode of Consider This. My name is Ryan Vincent, and I have with me today Morgan Denise Weiss. That's your middle name, right? Denise. It's middle name. Can't forget it. Let's Morgan hear it. Denise Weiss. Um, and we are uh, we're going to have a bit of a freewheeling conversation that is intended to go in line with some other recent podcasts um, that are part of a series that we have called Becoming Christian. Um, and here at Sunnybrook Christian Church, we have um, we have committed to the the fall of 2022 and then the spring of 2023 to um, to demonstrate an, a special emphasis on um, our missional living and what it means to go, what it means to evangelize and to carry out the mission of God. And so in part, uh, one of the things that, that really dovetails well with that emphasis is to hear stories of how people became Christians. And uh, to date, we've had some, um, some interesting uh, podcasts. We've had Steve, we've had Jack, we've had Madison. And each of those, um, it, it, there's this very hard turn in, in most cases later in life. And so you have this, this strong conversion aspect to it. In Morgan's case, and Morgan, you get to tell the story, it's just it's a different kind of story. You, um, if, if the other ones are clearly they became Christian, it's not that you don't have a conversion date, but you grew up in a Christian home, and here we are. So first of all, tell us about uh, your, your home. Give us a the quick biography of who you grew up with. Many of us know uh, two of them. I, my mom and dad, Paul and Julie, um, they were married. And then I have an older brother. They are married. I have an older brother, Titus, um, who's like a year and a half older than me, and a younger brother, Austin, who's about a year and a half younger than me. So I grew up with them, born and raised in Stillwater, America, mm-hmm. and so born and raised in this church, actually. My dad was a minister on staff. My mom went to college to do youth ministry and then married one instead. Um, so I've been doing ministry alongside him while she's been doing other things um, also. so. But if you were to ask me my, my testimony and my story, I always, have to, I always have to refer to my grandparents every time. Um, on my mom's side, her, you know, her genealogy... Um, she came from a mother who grew up knowing Jesus. Her her grandfather, her mother's dad, was a Sunday school teacher and all those kinds of things. Um, my Her father actually grew up not following Jesus, um, had a good mom, had a difficult childhood with his dad. Um, and he kind of had his turn was very hard. It was like g- becoming a Christian, going into ministry almost simultaneously. And so he was challenged by a man named Mr. Whitaker in Muskogee, Oklahoma, and decided he was going to go into ministry, be a preacher, um, after some difficult things. And he met my grandmother, my mom's mom, in Bible college. And they decided they were going to raise their family, and and he was going to be a different kind of dad than the dad he had. And they had five children who all were married and all ended up going into some sort of vocational ministry and then those five had 15 grand, there are 15 grandkids, and nearly all of us are in vocational ministry. All of us except one are a follower of Jesus. Um, and then on my dad's side, it goes back another generation. It was my, my great-grandmother who was faithfully taking her nine children to church every week. 
and my great grandfather was not a believer and her faithfulness spoke to him. And then another man in the community um, was encouraging him as well. He ended up coming to church, ended up giving his life to Jesus and being baptized the same day as his son, my grandpa, um, May 11th, a long, long time ago. And then those nine children, all not all of them were married, but all of them were believers, and several of them went into ministry. And there were 32 grandkids, which is my dad um, and his cousins and um, Christians, and nearly all of them going into ministry. And so on that side of the family, on both sides of the family, both of my grandpas are preachers, all my aunts and uncles are in ministry, and most of my cousins are in ministry. So growing up, it was like following Jesus was who we are and yeah. what we do. It was not, um, it wasn't something that had just begun. So it wasn't even my parents. It didn't even just begin with, it was a grandparent thing. So all of our holidays, um, there, Jesus is a part of all of those things, all of yeah. our gatherings for Thanksgiving and Christmases. And you know, that was all, it's just always been who we are. So, hmm. so you guys are kind of like the Waltons of Christian church ministry. It's just your last name determines what you're going to do. Kind of. Right? Yeah. Sense. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. So, um, you know, we hear our like nieces and nephews when they get together, it's funny. They're little. Um, but there's one of my, I want to say it's like a second cousin. He was like five or something. He was talking to another cousin and he, they were having like Thanksgiving dinner and he says, so how's the church doing? <laughs> <laughs> You're five years old. That's a weird question to ask, you know, but this is like, you know, we're that's, used to talking like this. We're, this is what we do. We shepherd people. And so um, anyways, yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in a very much Christ-centered home. Now, there's a lot of people I know that see like, what, what is, so then what is a... Oftentimes I hear these two questions. I hear, um, I hear from parents who are first generation disciples, makers, first generation Christian people. I hear them saying, what did your parents do? What did your parents do? What did your parents do? Um, and I would say my parents were faithful to Jesus. Um, and even like my cousin, one of my cousins who's not a believer, I would say his parents were faithful to Jesus and he ended up not being a believer, you know? So to think you can control who your kids become and if they choose to trust Jesus is kind of um, silly. But I do think what the best thing you can do is be faithful to Jesus as a parent, which means you love your spouse well, which means you prioritize Jesus in the family. He's the center of everything you do. Our family, like we didn't, you can do this all sorts of ways. Our family did not have like family Bible studies and family Bible, but we served at the church a lot as what we did. We were around because my parents were serving at the church a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so being at church was a non-negotiable. Um, fighting against some of the cultural norms, which at that time, dress was a big deal. So I, f I pushed against my parents on what I was and wasn't allowed to wear and what I wasn't and was and wasn't allowed to watch. And they used wisdom and they used the community, the body of the church, and they uh, presented a... a united front in their decisions and fought those like they needed to, you know, and, or like they decided, but it's not, if there's not like a magic key other, you know, or a magic, some mystery to it. It's just the Lord has been really faithful and really good. And we feel very blessed. I mean, we feel my Nana constantly says, I feel like the richest woman in the world because my family knows Jesus and is mm -hmm. following him and trusting him. And there's an eternal, eternal 
wealth in that. There's an eternal kingdom in that. There's an eternal life with Jesus in that. So yeah. it is a blessing. It and I don't think it's it's by magic. Yeah. You know that it happens. So if Paul and Julie weren't following some formula, they weren't doing seven steps to creating a Christian. They were just being faithful believers and Titus, Morgan, and Austin are along for the ride, and you guys get to experience that with them because that's just life. Mm-hmm. When At what age were you baptized? I was uh, nine, and I was baptized on the same day. I was baptized in February in this in this church, and Austin, my little brother, was seven, and we were baptized on the same day. So tell me about some of the conversations that you remember having, probably with your parents, maybe with your student ministers, but... At at the at the the ripe age of nine years old, what what was going through your head that led you to to make that decision? Um, well, I think when kids see their parents, what their parents are passionate about, they're naturally passionate about those things. That's why you have like a long-standing legacy of people that are Oklahoma State Cowboys or that are in a certain sorority or. For us, we love the Broncos and we love the Cardinals. Why? I, I don't honestly. I don't even watch them. But this is like who I'm gonna pull for if they're in a decisive game because that's what my family does, you know. And so they love Jesus, and so loving Jesus was a very natural overflow of that. And for me, this is another thing that's kind of different. I, I I'm not against having a lot of conversations before your children get baptized. I think that can be a really wise and good thing. But my parents were discerning long before we brought up baptism and so I remember walking into a living room my dad sitting in a recliner and saying I want to get baptized and my dad saying that's awesome what you should get baptized (laughs) (laughs) you know and because he knew I love Jesus he didn't you know and he sure he asked me that but he didn't try to like quiz me and make sure I was the most ready in the world he knew like this is great news Mm -hmm. and then there'll be a lot of discipleship that comes after that and comes with that, but he's not going to stand in the way of me wanting to make a decision for Jesus, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so I, that was, that was kind of how that went. I mean, I didn't really have a lot of conversation with other people. I, I said I wanted to follow Jesus and my dad said, yeah, that makes sense because that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, do you recall times in maybe junior high and high school where, um, in light of your conversion and the spirit at work in you, um, you've already mentioned that, you know, when it came to certain clothing styles that were in fashion, there was, uh, some friction between, um, the life that you were living under the guidance and, uh, and spiritual authority of your parents and that of the world. Were there other areas where your, your conversion created discernible friction with, say your friend group, your peers, and then, you know, I know you ended up heading off to a Christian college and that's a whole other animal, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say like in issues of dating and how that all looked, it was different. Um, and my parents, they were just on the same page about, it felt like as a, as a kid about everything. I know as an adult they weren't, but they, they did a really good job of portraying that to us. And they really were, like they were a team. And I'm leading us, which I cannot speak highly enough about. I mean, you got to be a team, you know, and they did a lot because their parents are believers and strong believers. They did a lot of asking their dads and moms advice 
um, on what to do in church situations or in family situations. And so that was part of it. They've asked, they asked their brothers and sisters, you know, um, and so that was, that was a part of what they did. Um, but it, it was unique because there are some people who are believers who were growing and their parents were growing at the same time. Um, like babies growing and their parents are baby believers growing at the same time. For me, I had full-blown mature believers as parents, right. you know. So they really were raising me and they still are ahead of me in maturity. And so, because they've been, they really have been faithfully following Jesus for a longer time. Um, but I would say that whenever I went to college, so I knew when I was 14 that I wanted to go into vocational ministry because I went on a mission trip to Dallas to do inner city stuff. And I said, I really want to help kids that have broken homes and I've, I've had a lot of love poured into me and a lot of Jesus centered family poured into me. And I want to do that for other kids. And so that's kind of when I knew I want to do ministry. Um, I didn't, I pushed back on my parents about what that looked like after high school because I lived in Stillwater and I had a, I had a best friend who was going to Oklahoma state whose parents were ready to pay for us to have a house and ready for us to do but I didn't, I wasn't interested in any of that stuff. I wanted to do ministry. And they said, if you want to do ministry, you should go to a college to prepare you for that. Um, but they didn't pressure me. You know, I think I probably would have said they did. But I think when we're, ki- when we're in high school, we pretend like our parents are pressuring us when they're not, you know, yeah. or feel things that are wrong, right? So um, I ended up going to Ozark Christian College to prepare for ministry. And that was a huge catalyst for me. If my in my walk, I think growing up, a lot of it was Christians do this, Christians don't do this, and that's just brain development. Like that's really good parenting and discipleship. It's not like you want to talk to them about deeper things and why and and you know. But you, like I said, you can't manipulate feelings. You can't manipulate love for Jesus. You can't manipulate your child wanting and desiring to follow Him. So, you know, it was a lot of like, this is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what how we act. And this is how we don't act. That's part of it. And so I took that with me. And then in college, got to see a desire for Jesus and his word grow more, I would say, um, become more of my own, um, apart from my parents' faith. Um, and that's when I was encouraged uh, with gifts of, like, teaching. That's when I had I started having, like, professors tell me that um, they think I should, that God, I'm good at that. And so I started getting excited about that idea and, you know, and then left Ozark and did, I just remember feeling very convicted by the word while I was at um, Ozark and growing up, my parents provided a lot of that conviction for me. I felt it, but I felt it because it was like, I love my family Yeah. and my family is a good family and they say this is wrong. So when I do that, I feel bad, Yeah. you know? And so it it looked a lot like that. And then that's still how it is kind of, you know, I love the Lord. And I love his family. And whenever I do the wrong thing, I feel bad, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's appropriate, actually, um, yeah. for those things. Go ahead. It seems like it seems like a, a great example of what we talk about a lot around here is that we want to um, part of the discipleship process is to wean people off of our wit and wisdom and onto the word and spirit of God. And when a chi- when you're a child, you know, my wife says this to our kids all the time. God has placed your father and I as the authority figures, as the godlike figure, you know, figures of authority in your lives. And it's our responsibility to train you and teach you, and it's your responsibility to obey. And you felt that very much with Paul and Julie. And then as you grew into a, a young woman and an adult, it's cool to see the spirit 
wean you off of them and onto the word and spirit of God, mm-hmm. you know, which is something that you said you, you kind of got in full force in your time at Ozark. But right. I think that's awesome. Right. And so that's kind of how it worked. Exactly how you said is kind of how it worked. And my parents like are better. This is an encouragement if you're a Christian parent. My parents are better parents of me. I'm 34. They're better parents of me now than they were when I was 12. Just like they have become more like Jesus over the last 22 years, you know, and I've become more like Jesus over the last 22 years. They are better Mm -hmm. than they were, you know, and they are better spouses to each other than they were. And that's part of like grow. It's a long obedience, obedience in a, you know, for a long time until you die. And so the Lord really does work some things out and grow you. The second, you know, I have, like I said, I have, you typically get two questions. One is what did your parents do? The second question I get often is from young believers, um, like high school, college age who have grown up in the church and have grown up in with this as their testimony that then wonder if their faith is real. Yeah. Um, or then, sin in kind of a big way. It sounds weird to say that, but in a way that has bigger consequences. Um, and then they wonder like, how do I, how do I struggle now? How do I work out God's salvation for me? Now, if you think about it, when we sing songs to the Lord, we sing a lot about how we are lost and then we are found. We sing a lot about that moment of of that change. God is this, we are this. And then when we have been covered by Jesus, now we're new. And so now our response is different. And one of the things that when you grow up in a Christian home that can be kind of something that you have to work out is your sinful nature and is your your moments. It's, it sounds weird to say this, but I have, I have sinned the most more as a Christian than I have as, an un, as a non-Christian. I don't know what to do with that. That doesn't sound like what the mm. Bible says we do. But I've no, I've, I can't think of a time I didn't know about Jesus um, or, or want to follow him. I really didn't go through like a rebellious, like I don't want to follow him phase. Um, and that has caused me a lot to question. And I remember my dad talking about, um, Jesus's grace and Jesus's covering of my sin when we repent and how, even though we feel like it's different having it and then having, it's actually like he still covers it the same way. What you're struggling with, Morgan, is the same thing others struggle with about whether they've really been forgiven. Mm-hmm. It just looks different <laughs> for you. Yeah. But it's the same thing. You know, you have been forgiven. John, you know, First John 1, 9 is true for you. Um, if you are faithful and just to confess your sins and repent of your sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, you know, if we confess our sins. So that's that's a big part of what being a believer is, whether you're there or not. I remember a girl coming up to me who has been a follower. I baptized her when she was 10 and she's been a faithful follower. Like I know this girl, you know, and she's now in her twenties and she came up to me and she was 18. Um, she had graduated from high school and she was panicked. Like, what if I'm not a believer? The way I'm seeing people here at camp, cry and talk about being like feeling the Lord. Like I'm just, I kind of follow, I follow him. I do it. And I said, do you do what he says? I mean, yeah, I try my best to do what he says. And so do you trust that Jesus is God? Yeah, I trust that Jesus is God. I was like, so remind me, why are you questioning this again? You know, and it's because I'm not experiencing, you know, the woman, (laughs) you know, this, this is big transformation. This the Steve Broadway story. I'm not experiencing that. Yeah. You know, and so then is it still the same? Am I still saved? So that's a question I get a lot and that I've wrestled with. 
and I feel more confident and more confident that yeah, still saved. And it's not my story. Um, my cousin drew, he told me this about his story and I have latched onto it and shared it with other people who struggle with this. It's not as much who I was before I knew Jesus and then who I was after I knew Jesus. My story is a lot more who I am without Jesus and who I am with Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I'm reminded and I'm sobered Mm -hmm. by the sins that I struggle with. Um, and I'm the sins I'm tempted with of like, wow, this is who I am without him. And this is who I, I would be if I, if I choose to give into these things, um, you know, without, without repentance, if I give them to him like regularly and habitually. And so I guess that's a sobering thing. And it's something I can then be grateful to God for. He has saved me too. Not he has made life easy. Although I would say, yeah, in a lot of ways my life was, I have been blessed. I have blessed to have the parents I have and the the family I have people that say their parents forced. I'm like, yeah, I just want to smack those people, you know, in a nice <laughs> Or they kind indoctrinated way. you. And it's like, yeah. yeah, all of the human existence yeah. is one of indoctrination. Yeah. They were just better at it. They're just discipling. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I, I think of some of the stories that we've already heard on this podcast. And those those do seem more like Paul and on the road to Damascus, that really almost stark turn, immediate shift. And then we also need to celebrate the stories like you, like your cousin Drew, where it's more like Timothy, like you grew up hearing this from your mother and grandmother. And I just want to remind you what you've always known. Yeah. And those two were fantastic ministry partners. Yeah. Paul and Timothy, different conversion stories. Different conversion stories. And I think too, like, and I think my parents did well that I wholeheartedly believe is our, my, who is my father and my mother? My father and my mother are the ones who do the will of God. That's who they are. And so my family is the church. That's my family. And thanks be to God that my blood family is also the church. Yeah. You know, and so I feel super grateful to God for that. Um, and, And I would tell people who, if you're, if you do not come from a believing home, like just know like what you're choosing to do makes a difference. I mean, these are decisions that people made a hundred years from now, a hundred years ago before I was even born that have made a difference in my life. Yeah. Um, or that God has used right to make a difference in my life. So I am grateful to people I've never met and to people that spoke truth to my great grandparents Mm -hmm. than when I was never around or even a thought, you know, you know, you, you talk of coming to faith kind of in the shadow of the faithfulness of your parents. Mm-hmm. And I would assume the Sunnybrook community at large and yes. deeply involved in Absolutely. that. Um, and now you've um, gone through that process now as a parent yourself and still very much in the thick of it. You've raised uh, a troubled young man named Quan, who is now an adult. And, uh, and now I won't say his name cause he's still in the foster system, but yeah. you are, you're also raising another young man, a uh, little boy right now. What are some of the things that you, that are, you're very aware of as you try to model this faith for, um, these, these people that you've invited into your home and hope to convey the love of Jesus in a way that they become drawn to him and the spirit changes their lives too. I pray for, I mean, I pray for him every day. Praying is a big deal. I pray the Lord would keep all of us with him Mm -hmm. every day. Um, It's funny when I start to pray for them every night and I say, Lord, just thank you for Quan and for creating him and for loving him more than I do and for dying on a cross to save him or to help him 
see that reality, help him know you. And then I'll pray the same thing over my youngest and thank you for, and then, and then as I'm doing that, I'm like, and Lord, thank you for creating me and (laughs) please keep me with you. I know that I could fall away. I mean, I really, I could, Mm. and I don't want to. And so keep me with you forever. Keep us all with you forever, you know, and you are what we need and what we want. And I think to having a laser focus over that reality of, and I can't make, I can't make my children follow Jesus. Yeah. You know, there will be weasels out there that could be doing who knows what, yeah. you know, it's just not, I don't get to decide that. Um, the Lord is sovereign over that, but these children are not God. They never were meant to be. My parents aren't God. Yeah. Uh, my grandparents, this is just, I get to follow Jesus. That's what I get to do. And I get to do it as faithfully as I can. And I get to rely on his spirit and his forgiveness. Um, mm-hmm. And I get to rely on his people and his word. And I'm hoping I can finish. Yeah. I hope and I die faithful to him. That's my goal in life. Not just to raise Christian children. But I do think when you said, when you said conversion story, or I guess, what is it? Becoming Christian, becoming Christian. I do think as a parent, like, just don't take your, don't take what's right in front of you, like, lightly. Like, this is a responsibility you have, but it's not, it's, it really is not to make sure your child's a Christian. You can't control that. Your, but your job is to be faithful to Jesus. Your job is to love him. Your job's to repent. Your job's to love your spouse. Your job's to... Um, if you're a single parent, then your job's to figure out what that looks like to, to love, to love, like everybody should be loving the church, should be a part of the church, should be in the word, should be praying for their kids, should be asking for discernment. And then also should just be asking the Lord to help them be faithful. Yeah. You know, that's, I would be the, like, this is, you have a, a, um, becoming Christian story unfolding in your home. Oh Yeah with how you treat and raise and center your life to model for your children. So that's a, that's a heavy thing. You know, it's not just your coworkers. Yeah. Although it is your coworkers, you know, it's your five year old and it's your 21 year old. So (laughs) those are great reminders. And uh, thank you for, for sharing your story. I hope this has been encouraging to those of you who um, grew up in a Christian home and made the decision to follow Jesus young. Um, I joke as someone who has more of a Damascus road, uh, story myself that I hope my kids have more of a Morgan and a Drew Moss type story. I, I don't wish the Damascus road conversion on them. I hope they just can't remember a time they didn't know Jesus and didn't love him. So if you would like to, um, continue this conversation in any way, I'm sure Morgan would love to sit down and chat with you. And if you have any questions for the podcast itself, You can send those to steve at sunnybrookcc.org. Love you guys. We'll see you next time.